The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? We're kind of have, I'm going to say it's a Mexican-Irish boilermaker. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning, we have Jameson, and then we have a Medela Especial. So, that's our beer back instead of like a Guinness. So, we're going to call this Irish-Mexican boilermaker. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jameson's whiskey is an Irish whiskey. It's really good. It's It's so smooth. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot, actually. Yeah, I do like Jameson a lot. I hadn't found a lot of Irish whiskeys that I was like, oh, I've got to get that again. Yeah. You know? I actually like that. But I do like it. It's not very expensive, and it's a nice nice sort of drinking whiskey. Yeah. You know? And then the Modelo. Well, that's, of course. That's just... That's a nice way to wash a whiskey down. It, did. it really is. It is. Yeah, it's good. Brings out the flavors in the Modelo. Yeah, so I guess this goes to the point that... Cocktails can be anything. They can be mixed. They can be straight. I think it has they can to do be... with what your taste is that moment. That moment, right? Yeah. yeah. We were both just feeling like whiskey. Some whiskey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder dot app. I love fat life because as a kingster, I've gotten to be really self-expressed on Fat Life. Oh, of course. Right? Of course. And occasionally somebody just like comments on or likes a picture or, yeah. or a writing or something. And so my practice is I normally go to their profile and I look to see who they are. Yeah. Right? Because I'm interested because I'm here in an exploration of human sexuality. Right. Right? I want to know what people are up to. Right. And I read our guest, Miss BB's yeah. profile. And I was like, oh, there's somebody I want to talk to. Yeah, yeah, it's so exciting to talk to right. people. So, Bibi, welcome to the conversation. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. We're delighted that you're here. And we always begin our show by inviting you to share your journey as a sexual creature. So how did you discover yourself as a sexual creature and how did that evolve over time? 
Oh, with me, it was, I was raised in a very controlling religion. Sex was generally viewed just, you know, for procreation, no anal sex, no oral sex, none of those things. Sex really wasn't talked about much about except for what you weren't supposed to do. So I was raised in that environment, but my parents were pretty liberal. I remember at a young age, finding Playboy magazine of my dad's and flipping through through and just I mean, we lived out in the country on a farm. This was before cable. You know, we probably only had a couple of TV channels that we got. So I led a very sheltered life as far as being exposed to things. And so when I found this magazine, it was kind of like, it was, it was fascinating to me. And my mom, my stepmom, she, uh, she didn't have any qualms about walking around naked, (laughs) you know, doing laundry. She'd take off her clothes, throw them in the washing machine, walk back to get dressed, you know, shower together had done like skinny dipping with, you know, my brothers and sisters and my mom and my dad, but growing up in this religion. So it was very, it was hard to kind of like balance the two things, right? There was what I was supposed to be doing and believing and then kind of what my family was, was living. So it was kind of confusing. But I also had older cousins that weren't in the religion that I grew up in. And they had the Playgirl magazines with the naked men. So when I was like preteen, I saw those. My first kind of real job that I had, I worked in a warehouse and I was the only woman. And I went into the bathroom and there's like a three, I kid you not, a three foot tall stack of Hustler, Playboy, Penthouse, all of those magazines. And throughout my time there, I went through probably every single one of those magazines. And I actually did read the articles. <laughs> oh, oh my God. This is like hilarious. It's like liquid gold. It, it is. I mean, I've got to ask you. So you're like this sheltered sexual kid and you're kind of a little bit confused. And then you like sit down with Hustler magazine. <laughs> oh How did that occur to you? Well, like I said in my FET profile, um, my FET life profile, I'm I'm always learning and exploring, right? <laughs> I knew that it was something that I probably shouldn't have been doing, but I just it was it was fascinating to me, and I especially love like the penthouse letters. I don't know how true or how like real all of those things are, but those were things that people, you know, sent in, right? So it was really hard when I met my future husband because there was no premarital sex. I mean, we kissed and fooled around a little bit, but um, he was very adamant. Like, I mean, I would have had sex, but he was very adamant that we did not have sex before we got married. And because I had read so much, he doubted my virginity because you were supposed to be a virgin when you get married. So that was kind of hard as well. I mean, I, I did live my life, you know, on the one hand, the way I was supposed to, but I also had all of this other knowledge that I wasn't supposed to have. You know, that's so interesting because through almost the time, well, actually from before the time that you became sort of sexually aware, even till very recently, women are shamed for having sexual feelings. They just are. Ideas or anything. Yeah. 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 So this is interesting. So decided to get married to your future husband. He didn't want to have sex. How old were you then? That's in the the teenage years? Um, We started dating. I think I was about 18 or 19. We got married when I was 21. So I think I was about 19 when I started that job that had the big, huge stack of, of magazines. 
So yeah, our sex life wasn't very exciting. (laughs) And it wasn't until like later on, we were married for 17 years. So I would say maybe at about the 13 year mark, he started to get a little bit more, branch out a little bit more. I remember the first time he went and rented a porno movie. Wow. (laughs) Oh my God. So I want to just, I want to just get present to what your experience was because you had this very sort of sexual awakening when you were younger and then you got married to somebody who's not in the same space as you are sexually and I'm assuming you're just masturbating that whole time you're not actually actually having a satisfying sex for you through that period and then he branched out so what did that mean well then I remember no must sorry I'm kind of got my timeline mixed up a little bit it wasn't that long into our marriage but it was a couple of years into our marriage before he even attempted oral sex and I don't even think I didn't even have like a vibrator or anything at that time so any masturbation was just you know manual and then I know that he had watched a porno movie with a friend of his he did tell me about it but it was a few years until he kind of brought up the courage to bring one home for us to watch together and we did get a vibrator and a dildo and he wanted to try anal sex, which was, you know, that was kind of like a big taboo. So it's not like he didn't try. It just, it was very hard for him, I think, to kind of like open up about that stuff, you know, about sex and things, because it really wasn't anything that was talked about. But what about you? I mean, you're having an experience too. It's not just his like reluctance. What were your experience? Well, I kind of had to go with his comfort level. Like there's only so much I would be able to kind of try to introduce because then he would just kind of like the religious part of it would kind of take over and he would shut down. So it was a very like balancing act. We both ended up leaving the religion, but the marriage didn't survive that. I can totally get why actually. And I get that you left it, but I'm still really curious because you were having an experience the whole time of yourself, right? As a sexual creature, not in the world of judgment and religion, but just as a sexual creature, you were living a sexual experience where you were frustrated and you were trying to sort of make things happen, but it didn't actually occur for you. But then like later, because after your marriage, you actually got on fat life because you were drawn to something. So what was it that was happening for you that led you to fat life, for example? So, well, in between there, so after we got divorced, I had uh, several years where I had a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of made up for some lost time. Then I had a, another long, a long-term relationship. It was about four or five years. And I don't know why when I get into relationships, the sex is just not fulfilling. And it wasn't until after that I met somebody by chance I don't even remember how I met him now. It wasn't a dating site. There's a lot of people in my life that I have met. They've come into my life for a short period of time to like usually teach me something. And then I never see or hear from them again. I just, I cannot contact them. They just kind of like disappear. So the first time I was kind of introduced to anything really like kinky was this man. And I remember the first time I went over to his place He had curtains behind his headboard and he pulled open the curtains and he has all of these like things hanging there like floggers and nipple clamps and all kinds of stuff. I had never experienced anything like that. And so he taught me a lot. We had a lot of fun. (laughs) How I got onto FetLife 
again, was another chance meeting with somebody. It was a friend of a friend. We had talked about going to this museum in Buffalo that was like bizarre curiosities and things, right? We were in this little chat group and this new person that came in said he was going to Bazaar Bazaar on the weekend and he had space left in his car if anybody wanted to come. So I thought it was this museum of curiosities that we were going to. Instead, it was basically like a marketplace for people in the kink community and and host of, it was hosted by FetLife. So there was people that made floggers and, you know, corsets and like, all kinds of stuff, everything that you can get there. So when I get there and I walk into this place, I had no idea what it was, was not what I was expecting. So that's how I kind of got introduced to FetLife. I went to a house party the next weekend. And, you know, even as like a 40 some odd year old woman, I didn't know people had house parties like that. So that was quite an eye opener. I won a door prize. And it was- <laughs> funny. I want to come back to the door prize, but I just want to take a minute and acknowledge you for being courageous to go to a place you had no idea what we yeah. was there, <laughs> and you walk into a fetish <laughs> bar. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So when you, when you first see all this fetish stuff after you've been like reading about kick, because you've sort of been reading about it, right? In uh, penthouse letters and all of this, right? You've been like fantasizing and reading, and now you walk in. What caught your eye? Well, at the the first table that I remember seeing was all of the floggers and things like that. So I hadn't really like experienced even like in the porn that I had watched then at that point in time. Because back then it wasn't free, right? The porn that you saw, like online, like if you were to look online. And the movies that my ex-husband had rented was, you know, more couple stuff. It wasn't the kink stuff. So other than my sexual experience, like within the previous year with that other man with the vloggers and all kinds of stuff, I still really hadn't really explored that part. So that was all kind of new. It was... I ended up buying like a leather corset and the guy that I was with, he bought uh, like candles for wax play and he already had like a big bag of stuff that I didn't like, I didn't find out until afterwards. So yeah, it was kind of intimidating, but again, it was, it was fascinating. Well, that's really interesting, you know, because you're describing your sort of first entry into kink and it does have a factor of being intimidating because there are people doing things that are way out of your spectrum, right? Like needles or floggers or wax or whatever, knives, whatever, right? Bondage, suspension, like all kinds of shit. Mm -hmm. And so I get it's a bit confronting because you don't really know. And it's interesting because what's really the right thing for you is the right thing for you. It doesn't really matter what it is. Right. You know, it's already just whatever pulls you. And so that's so interesting. From there, how have you explored kick at all? Well, it was a little difficult because I was just kind of like getting into into like the house parties and getting to know people and then COVID hit, right? So everything kind of like shut down. So I really only had the person that I went to that, uh, the, the bazaar with because of COVID, all of the house parties and stuff had stopped. So I was still in contact with some people that I had made friends with at the parties, but there wasn't really anything going on. So, and I'm just then kind of, after things started opening up again, I was in a car accident. So I wasn't able to go into any parties. I've just kind of started to get back into things. 
and kind of explore things. I haven't had a whole lot. I haven't had a whole lot of opportunity. There's a lot of stuff that I saw at the parties, but not a lot that I was at the time kind of comfortable doing. I get that. That makes sense. So I have an interesting thought as you're describing this transition into the world of, I just want to call it out sexuality, right? Kingsters are out sexuality. You grew up in this really religious environment and a lot of your context of sexuality was given by your experience. And you described the, I want to just call it the general suppression of interested curiosity and sexuality. Just, I mean, that, that was just sort of suppressed. Like, the way I think you put it was, it's what you're not supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> but yet at the same time, you have these like physical urges because you're a, a normal human being. And I'm interested now that you skip forward all the way to where you are today, as you start to explore yourself as a sexual creature, how do you interact with that religious conversation you're having with yourself that says, this is not what you're supposed to do? Oh, that's long gone. I spent, I spent a lot of time on myself, kind of deprogramming myself. It took several years and it took a lot of work and thought process. And again, meeting other people and hearing other experiences about how other people grew up and, and just other thought processes to just kind of like turn that all around. So I don't now, like none of the religion part of it really enters into my head at all. That's kind of, now that's kind of a, once I decided to finally like make the break and leave, like I said, I had a couple of, of really fun years <laughs> to make up for lost time. But at that point in time, there really wasn't like any kink involved with anything. And I still didn't really know a whole lot about that. I was surprised when, you know, as an adult, I went out dating that I was very sought after by couples to be a third, right? That wasn't really my thing. I did it a few times. I went to a, a nude beach on like a blind date. <laughs> I didn't believe the guy that, that he said it was a nude beach because we don't really have a whole lot of that around here. And it's it wasn't a public beach. It was a private beach. So that was pretty interesting. That was the first time I ever had sex like in kind of a public place that people had watched. <laughs> so you got like yourself way out there in a really profound way, which is great. What I'm interested in, because we talk to people who reflect some of the same story that you have about your growing up with religion. And you talked about something I think that's really valuable to that group of people, which is you deprogram yourself over time. So I'm interested to know, because you, you spoke a little bit about it generally, like, you know, different messages, different self-talk and so forth. What was the most powerful tool that you discovered that helped you get over that this is really an evil way to be versus this is an okay way to be? I saw a woman that did what I can only describe as like energy work, you know, dealing with the body's energy. It sounds like a lot of woohoo stuff. But for me, I feel that that is kind of what really, really helped me is because with her, you know, we, we're, we're an energy, we're energetic people, right? And we have blockages in our energy flow and that sort of thing. And with the religion, there was a lot of stuck stuff inside of me. And it was just kind of her helping me release that and telling me that, you know, I would have, you know, little things that she would write down and it would be, you know, 
things like I deserve to be loved. I'm different things like that. Cause there wasn't a whole lot of like love in my childhood either. So it was the few years that I spent seeing her that to me is what helped me the most. And then it was getting rid of the judgmental attitude <laughs> because in that religion, there was a lot of judgment, you know, like you grow up, you do something wrong. Like as a kid masturbating, Oh God, you know, it feels really good when you do it, but then afterwards, like there's the guilt and then you spend like an hour praying that you're to God to forgive you for it. So learning that it's okay, learning to get rid of like the judgment of other people and just learning, allowing other people to live their lives as they want to live it and me being able to live my life how I want to live mine. And, you know, as long as you're not hurting, you know, children and animals kind of thing, do what you want to do, you know, be who you want to be. You like kink, like when I went to that first party and I saw a woman being like flogged and impact, like hard impact play and stuff. I was just like, oh my goodness. Like it, it was hard for me to watch, but she enjoyed it so much. So like I'm seeing this and I'm seeing it in person, like for the first time, but she just enjoyed it so much. And afterwards, like she was on this natural high, like it was, I was, I'm like, I don't want, you know, kind of like that much pain or anything, but I actually, uh, like, I really enjoyed the flogging, the flogging part, but not to that extent. They were very gentle with me. Oh, we can relate. We, we really can. You know, you speak to something that's really an interesting aspect of kink, which is a lot of the dungeon play actually produces a chemical response, which gives you that feeling of euphoria after the experience. So it's really great that you discovered that. I'm really thrilled for you that you can see there's a world there, a whole world to explore. Yes. The thing you talked about in the world of energy I'm interested in, though, which is somehow the way you were able to escape from that religious dogma, self-imposed context, you know, context yeah. was through understanding yourself as an energy creature, right? Yes. And that's interesting to us because we've accessed ourselves as energy creatures, but through sexuality, mm. right? So there's more to that conversation, I guess, is my point, for you to explore because... If you could access it in just conversation and breathing exercises and so forth, it's there for you to access, I think, sexually in a different way that what people describe is like this kundalini awakening or shakti something or other, you know, and it's really like a manifestation of being as an energy creature that's way outside of just having genital sex, for example. Yes, yeah, I haven't explored too much of the kundalini yet. I do have a girlfriend that has done some of that. So that's probably on the next list of things to, to discover and explore. So, okay, this has been really fascinating. I, first of all, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, This has been really interesting. You know, you're not alone in this. I mean, there no, are... not at all. There are a lot of kinksters who discover kink out of a religious experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for each of us, for each of us, it's our own unfolding. We, we have to discover our own path. But it's very powerful to break out of a dogma like that because it's a very constrained dogma when it comes to sexuality. Yes. So I just really appreciate you both having lived the experience, but then also being willing to share it. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. 
You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.